Good morning, everyone. Welcome to worship this Sunday, March 12th. This is the day that the Lord has made. You know, I'd like that we do that because, you know, if it's rainy or it's snowy or if it's 95 degrees or whatever it is, it's the day that the Lord has made and aren't we glad to be alive? Yeah. Today is a is a good day to be alive and in service to God and to uh, one another. If there are some things that uh, um, you might want to do this week, I just got a gesture that threw me off course. Yes, it is me. I have shaven. And um, as one person said this morning, now you look respectable. My wife was thinking that would be the case. So, uh, no, actually, what he said is that now you look less biblical. Is actually what he said. He didn't say respectful. Anyway, today is the mana, the mana food drive, but we also collect uh, personal hygiene items. Um, today, from three to three thirty, is the drop-off time. If you're helping to do that, please uh, uh, bring these items to the church's parking lot. The twenty-fifth. Saturday the 25th is the Saturday Night Suppers. Uh, the Northrop Schluters and the Shehorns are taking the reservations uh, for the event. Uh, hope that you can be there. Bowls of Hope is the next day, the 26th. That's a, a great event and a, and a fun way to uh, enjoy some great soup and to get some ceramics and support uh, many mansions. And our Easter... Well, here we go. Steve, yes. Thank you. Um, our Easter flower drive is, uh, is happening. And so um, sign up. Little sheets in the back for if you want to, in honor or in memory of, make a dedication uh, with your flowers. Okay, the, speaking of flowers, these flowers are here because uh, one of our choir members and uh, dear people in the congregation has turned, is it 51 this morning? Or <laughs> Anyway, she's reached a, a milestone birthday of some sort, and we celebrate it with her, Phyllis. Congratulations. Another year around the sun. Well done. <laughs> Happy birthday to you, and thank you to your family for... Uh, providing the flowers that uh, uh, grace the sanctuary this morning. All right, let us center ourselves and be in worship of our living Lord. to worship and remain standing for the hymn and invocation. Gather and worship of the Lord your God. We gather to praise God, be nurtured in God's spirit, and empowered to do God's will. 
God will bless you today, strengthening your spirits for the challenges ahead. Praise and thanks to God today. Lift up your hearts. We lift up the Lord. Let us pray. Holy and merciful God, we come into your special presence this day. We're grateful for your forgiveness and love. We aspire to live faithfully. Help us toward that good that we might bring light into darkness and spread hope where there is despair. Give us the clarity conviction, and the candor of a courageous faith. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning, friends. Today for Sunday School, you are going to learn about Lazarus. Lazarus was a really good friend of Jesus, and while Jesus was out on the road, his sisters, Mary and Martha, went running to get Jesus because Lazarus, Lazarus, I keep messing that up, had gotten really sick. And so Jesus started to follow them, but along the way, he got kind of caught up in doing ministry. People would stop and ask for healings or talk to him. By the time he got to the house, Lazarus had died. Well, Mary and Martha were very distraught. That means they were upset and they were crying and they were kind of even mad at Jesus. But Jesus said, be still. And Jesus did raise Lazarus from the dead. But sometimes we do things in our life that maybe really upset somebody else. And so I'm gonna play a little game with you 
If somebody calls you a bad name, how do you feel? Bing. If somebody tells you you're really smart, how do you feel? Bing. Don't you like my beings? There are so many emotions that we have, but if we live a peaceful life, no matter what we are doing in our life, we can always rely on God. And if we show God's love for each other, then we are living in a peaceful world. Now go off to Sunday school with your teachers and learn more about Lazarus and what happened. Let us pray. Dear God, help us be more like Jesus. Help us to understand somebody else's point of view and be peacemakers. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody, have a good day. God, we pray that you would hear the stirrings of our spirits, the yearnings of our minds, and the hopes of our hearts as we try to give voice to them through our prayers this morning. Some of us may have come this day with deep pain or sorrow in our hearts. Some of us may be here overflowing with joy. The circumstances of our lives we bring forward in prayer for ourselves, our loved ones, our community, and our world, knowing that it is you upon which this world rests that give us life and that draw us forward into love and good community. And so we pray with the confidence and the hope that all would be well. Renew your presence in a special way in the lives of Kathy Drake and Mike and Sarah and Sally DeLong that they may know that you walk with them through the valley of their cancers and their treatments and that you are there to strengthen and support them through that process. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We think of Paul Fay's friend Steve, Steve Lamberg's friends Debbie Arder and Rita Schrittle all of which are dealing with varied cancers and Rita who is having surgery soon. We pray that you would be in their lives, that there would be a dawning awareness for them of, of your healing love and your strength surrounding them. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. 
Dina Barmersigray and Tom Hopkins are both recovering from surgeries. We pray that you would help their bodies to heal well. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. And as Steve Ames moves back into East Campus for more rigorous physical therapy, we pray that you would go with him and, and keep him in good spirits for the rigors ahead of him. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. And this Sunday, we pray for those who have passed on to life eternal and for support of their families and friends as they grieve. We think of Kathy Loeb's Aunt Alice, Dee Crawford's friend Carol Blake, and our growing place assistant director's father, Beth Camarillo's dad, all of whom died this week. Support their friends and family in their grief, Lord God. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. And we pray for those who are suffering from COVID. We're thinking of Alice and Tony Smalars. We're thinking of Esther Benedict and others who we personally know that are on our hearts. We pray that they may uh, regain their health and strength. And again, as we do each week, we give you thanks for the caregivers in the hospitals and in the community who are supporting us all as we move through the effects of COVID. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. And as we this recent weeks feel the impact of flooding and rain and overwhelming snow. We think of, of many in our extended community who are uh, feeling the impact of these weather uh, events. We pray that uh, we might help each other to deal with being creatures on this globe. Help us to be good to one another. Help us to extend loving hands and helpful hands to one another to make our way forward. We think of those suffering from gun violence, from war and oppression, and we recognize that we have so far to go as a community. So, Lord, we pray your help, being brothers and sisters. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. Holy God, we think of other people and other situations that are dear to our hearts, and we, we lift those up in our private prayer thoughts. Hear our prayers. And with Dee and Dave Crawford, we celebrate the birth of Knox Gregory Jackson, uh, their new 
great-grandchild. And we celebrate the help that uh, members of our church and in our community have been able to do for refugees, families, delivering uh, household supplies and furniture this week to four families. Particularly, we celebrate the service of Tim and Boyd and Gary and Chris. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. And we pray for our church as we continue in our ministries, varied as they are through these difficult times, and ask your help in maintaining our effectiveness and vitality. May the good that we do be pleasing in your sight and be of consequence, good consequence, in people's lives. We pray this in your son's holy name, joining now in his prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house, and he took his place at the table. And a woman in the city, who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled their debts for both of them. Now, which one of them will, he lo will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom the, the greater debt was canceled. And Jesus said to him, you have judged correctly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence she has shown great love. But to the one whom little is forgiven, loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who can even forgive sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is God's word for God's people.
May the words of my mouth be acceptable in thy sight. The radio in my old car doesn't work all that well. Uh, it doesn't have one of those turning things, but I've, I've discovered that if you, if you hit the back arrow when the radio's on, it jumps to the, uh, the prior station, the lower station, I guess, in the, in the thing. And, and if I, I usually listen to the classical station, uh, KUSC, it's, but if I push a couple back, it goes to an NPR station. And when, usually when I'm going home, uh, somewhere between eight and nine, there's uh, fresh air, fresh air is on. Terry Gross and Fresh Air. And, and so I, I hear interviews and stuff like that that can be uh, pretty delightful. And this week, as I was going home and I did that, there was this interview with a Dartmouth Medical School professor. Uh, his name is Farzan Navi. And he's just published a book, and that's why he was being interviewed. And it was an interview by a sub for, for Terry Gross. Uh, still a good interview. He just published a book on emergency room medicine. And since, you know, that's what my son is, is into, I, I decided that this would be a, a good interview to listen. And then more I heard about it, I decided I'm gonna, just going to get that book and, and read it and, and see if I can figure out what Stuart is up to, what he's gone through. The book is about his experiences in the emergency room, specifically under the light of the pandemic in these last uh, years. During the interview, though, he confessed about how hard it was for him as a young physician, reflecting back some earlier years, to convey difficult medical news. He recalled one time he remembered leaving a room of a patient without being candid about her terminal cancer. And as he was walking away from the room and going back to uh, the desk area where he would figure out what was the next thing to do, it just kept plaguing him that he hadn't actually communicated what he was supposed to have communicated to the patient when he was there. And he felt really badly that he had, he had failed his responsibility. He had betrayed his role and he had not been truthful or really helpful to the patient. So uh, somewhat sheepishly, but with more resolve, he went uh, back to the patient uh, and found a way to be uh, compassionate, yet also candid about the information of what her circumstance was. Being truthful and honest in conversation uh, can be hard. It can be hard. Uh, yet it's our responsibility. I remember uh, how hard it's been for me over these years of ministry. I've, I think I've gotten a little bit better at it, but I was, I know, however good I am at it now, I was less good at it in the beginning. Um, uh, my mother reared me to not say anything that would make people upset. You know, if you can't say anything nice, don't say it at all. 
was the, the rule. And, and so unless we had compliments to give or a positive encouragement to give, you just bit your tongue and you put up with whatever was going around. Now, that's not the healthiest. I mean, there's some good in that. There's some good in that rule. You shouldn't be cruel. You shouldn't just be nasty and, and blurred out. So there's some good in that rule, but it's, it's not always helpful because as we have learned through our faith, the truth is what sets us free. Not the convenient lie or the rationalization or the uh, evading. It's the truth that is the pathway to freedom. Now, in our Lenten series, we're, we're looking at pillars of courageous faith, and we're encouraging one another to be brave followers of Jesus Christ and to be people of, of courageous faith. And each of the pillars that we're looking at aid us in being the kind of disciple that we aspire to be, a disciple that makes a positive difference and a disciple that brings joy to the heart of God. We started by looking at clarity and conviction, and today we're looking at the third pillar that I'm calling it, and it is candor. Candor is the ability to be open, honest, direct, and frank in our speech, in our conversation. Now, when we speak with candor, we take risks. That's true. We set aside fears of whether someone might feel hurt, and instead we focus on how we might be of help to that person through what we could say. Candor is undergirded by honesty. It does not veer into contempt, nor is it just pleasantries, on the other hand. Candor is earnest. It is a desire to state facts plainly, to observe actions openly, and to confront people gently. Candor is the capacity to take risks in conversation in order to help a person or an organization that can only be served through an honest assessment of what is happening. So we have been candid with each other on a number of occasions as an organization, as individuals with one another, as we have tried to find our way forward over these last three or, or four years. We've tried to be candid in a loving, uh, supportive, helpful way. Courageous faith is supported by candor. So let's take a look at, at Jesus and the scripture this morning, which interestingly shows us a little bit of the power and uh, work of Jesus with candor. 
It's a marvelous story. You can, you can picture it happening, especially if you've seen some photographs of how in those days people used to eat around low-lying tables or, or whatever where they would be on couches or they'd be laying on the floor with their legs extended away from the, the tables and they'd be eating. You can kind of picture that scenario and, and that helps you to comprehend what's happening here. A woman appears as Jesus is settling down to eat in, in Pharisee Simon's home. So it's not Simon Peter, it's a different Simon for dinner. And she is attentive to his hospitality needs, what typically is done for a person when they come to your house in those days. You would, you would uh, wash off their feet, you would give them a kiss, hello, stuff like that. She's doing that. Simon didn't do that. She's doing that. And Jesus shares a parable with Simon to speak to the issue at hand because some of the people there are not happy with what she's doing or that Jesus is allowing her to be doing that to him. Jesus blesses the woman, acknowledges her new forgiven status, and then takes some heat from the other guests over that boldness. So let's look at candor. Where is their candor in this story? First off, the woman is candid. She's candid of her sinfulness and what we think might be the repentance that she's going through that has driven her to be uh, humbling or humiliating herself in front of Jesus and these other people, owning up to the fact that she seeks or has gotten something from the interaction of Jesus, the words of grace, his ability to heal and forgive. Something has happened in her life that she now comes to him and she says, thank you, Lord, and expresses gratitude and love to him. She's candid. She's in front of a bunch of people laying bare her soul. Simon, on the other hand, is not candid. He's kind of annoyed by what this woman is doing, and he's more annoyed by what Jesus is doing that's validating what this woman is doing. And he has these thoughts in his head that Jesus uh, perceives, and we hear it in the story that Jesus senses Simon, right? But he doesn't say it. He keeps it to himself. Maybe he's turning red. Maybe he's fusting, you know. Simon is not candid. And Jesus sees the ripeness of the moment for the woman and for Simon. He gains Simon's attention. He speaks candidly, though not accusatorily, towards Simon. He speaks compassionately and supportively towards the woman. And he provides room in this encounter for some reflection, for acceptance, for change. Jesus' purposes, we might say, are to heal and to help in this encounter. 
He's not looking to condemn somebody. He's not looking to punish somebody. He's looking to bring some change. His clarity of role, his clarity of purpose with his life gives him the conviction to act. And he acts with candor, a mixture of honesty and compassion that communicates an opportunity to these two individuals to think about themselves and to change for the better. So his message is heard, his message is understood, and it benefits others. Jesus teaches us the power and the role of candor. How it's forthright. It goes forward to the right. When we are candid, we are speaking directly. We are speaking truthfully. Uh, we're speaking freely. And it takes, it takes courage. And it bolsters the courage of our convictions and our clarity. Now, some people nowadays think speaking cruelly or speaking angrily or offensively is a sign of candor. And I want to be candid with you this morning and say, I don't think that that is. He tells it like it is, somebody might say of other people. But telling it like it is is not necessarily Christian in itself. For very often, telling it like it is, what we mean when we say telling it like it is, is usually selfish and socially disruptive. Insulting someone is a form of bullying. And it's not righteous. It's not holy. The candor that we're speaking about is not this. Our candor as followers of Christ, our candor is grounded in a kindness and in a compassion. It's rooted in the love and the purposes of Christ Jesus. We are to speak truth, yet do so in a manner that's responsible and helpful to the existing relationships and the purposes of God within us and, and among us. Decency and kindness, grace and redemption, these, uh, these words are the hallmarks of Christian speech. Our candor should be able to be described as decent and kind, as graceful and redemptive. So as we look at this story about Jesus, we can see some, some aspects, some keys, some keys of, uh, of candor. It begins with a courtesy. Simon. 
may I tell you a story? Simon, can I share something with you? It's using a caring and a helpful tone to begin. It proceeds with caution. You just don't blast and you go in too fast, swinging your arms and making your point. Jesus goes around the barn a little bit with a parable before bringing home the insights. Find a place of agreement, the commonly shared, perhaps neutral ground that helps you to uh, understand what you're looking at or what, uh, what you're trying to understand. Simon, who in the parable? Oh, I agree with you. You're right about that. It is that guy in the parable. Focus on the issue at hand in the conversation, not all the past history. Simon is, is caught up in all the, his assumptions, I guess you would say, his assumptions of all the sinfulness of the woman who is crying and honoring Jesus. Maybe he knows her, but maybe he doesn't, and he's assuming by her posture what's, what the story all is. Jesus is dealing with what's happening right now, the act of, Redemption. You're not going to solve all the past history, but let's deal with the present moment. Focus on the issue at hand. Give room for people to, to move and react and get closer and to kind of bob and weave a little bit as the conversation is happening. Give room for people to kind of think along with what it is you're trying to be candid about. Doesn't help to be accusatory or attacking. Make space for considering, for suggesting, for looking at. It seems to me. How does it look to you? Jesus lets Simon draw his conclusions from the parable's lesson. You want to stand with somebody if somebody's vulnerable in the situation in which you're being candid about. If you are like Jesus in that you're being candid about an abuse being rendered upon somebody else, you want to make it clear that you are being helpful to the person being abused in your candor. I know she deserves all those nasty words. Just lay it on her. Lay her on her. But you know what, Simon? Yeah, she's... But you know what, Simon? No, that's, that's not quite the way to do it. That would not have had the moment of redemption for the woman in her repentance. Usually, there's a need for candor when there's a need... For change. So we're trying to check our perception through our candor and trying to help the other to self-perceive the need for a change. And then you conclude with a blessing. 
And sometimes this is the hardest thing of all to do. I remember when a person came to me and they were trying to be uh, candid about their um, inappropriateness. So they were being uh, repentant, you might say, or something. And in those situations, whether you're at that end of a candid or you're in the process of being candid towards somebody else about how they perhaps have been um, detrimental to the good of the body or to their spouse or to uh, themselves, wherever that candor might be, it's important that it begins with a gentle eye-opening and closes with a blessing that says, and so let us move forward, that gives room for not only the change, but gives room for the relationship to stay and have the alteration occur within it as it's able. So that's why you'll hear some people say, well, we'll just agree to disagree, right? Or you might not even hear that summation. What you'll hear is just the person saying, well, thank you for your uh, sharing. Bless you as you go on this day. Just leaving it hanging in however the Spirit will use the moment of candor. We are imperfect people, aren't we? We are imperfect people who need forgiveness, who interact and speak with imperfect people who need forgiveness. It's a mess. It's a mess of imperfection and sin and the need of repentance all over. And we're in it together with each other to help one another, not to pull one another down. And speaking honestly with compassion can help us to see our opportunities to grow better in the spirit rather than to stay stuck in some kind of dysfunction. And speaking with candor will take a courageous faith. You're trusting in the Spirit going before you, in the Spirit going along with you in the conversation, and for the Spirit doing the Spirit's very best for mopping up afterwards for you and the person you're interacting with. Trusting that God's business is what we are about. And you know that you are doing that if you are doing it in humility and in love. So candor, our third pillar of courageous faith. We need our clarity of purpose that God has led us to. We need the conviction of that purpose, that we are willing to step out towards that end, and we need the strength of being able to speak truth, to speak honestly, and do it not in the way of the sword, but in the way of merciful love. Speaking truth in love is a simple way to say it. God, help us all as we live into the full faith of our Lord. Amen. Thank you.
we're going to have a mission moment on uh, UMCOR today. We'll start with a video, and then Tim Bonds is going to come up and say a few words to help us understand how we can participate in making a difference. Thank you. Good morning. For over 80 years, the United Methodist Committee on Relief, or UMCOR for short, has provided hope and healing for people and communities devastated by natural and man-made disasters. UMCOR goes wherever needed, throughout the United States and throughout the world. As you've seen and as you've followed in the news, there was a massive earthquake in Turkey. More than 45,000 people lost their lives in Turkey, and 6,000 more perished in Syria. In addition, 1.5 million people were rendered homeless. UMCOR arrived swiftly, providing tents, warm items, hot meals in the very first few hours after the earthquake. Working with long-standing regional partners, UMCOR helped establish emergency shelters with heaters, blankets, warm clothes, ready-to-eat meals, and first aid kits for those who had been displaced. As a faith community, we've helped. In 2022, United Methodists gave her gave over $2.2 million in relief to UMCOR for communities and individuals whose lives have been upset by storms, wars, fires, and other calamities. Now we have another opportunity to serve. The UMC Westlake Village Mission Committee is lifting up UMCOR as our March Mission of the Month. 100% of your donated dollars will go directly to earthquake relief in Turkey and Syria. If you've already given, thank you very much. If you haven't yet, you still have a chance. Uh, you can write uh, a check to UMCWV and in the memo say March Mission of the Month or donate on our website. And thank you for all you've already done and all you're still doing to help. God bless you. You are invited to share of your financial resources via the instructions that will momentarily appear on the screen to help support the ministries of Christ that happen through our congregation. Your generosity is needed to keep us going, to keep us doing the good we do. So give generously and be part of what happens in people's lives through the congregation of the United Methodist Church of Westlake Village. Thank you. 
Holy God, we ask that you bless these gifts and those who gave them, that our ministries in your Son's spirit might thrive, helping your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. This service has been a, a blessing to you all. Let us thank our media team again. I'm just going to say thanks to you all. We appreciate the work that you do. We don't know the magic you're creating online, but um, we trust all is well with that. And Vinia, the images that are now uh, happening on the screen that enhance our worship are, are really very pleasant. Thank you for working and developing that for us. It helps to make a full package for those who are visually inclined as well as auditory. Dear friends, let us work with the Spirit. Let us work with one another making this a blessed day and a blessed week. Stay safe, be healthy, know that you are loved. We know God's spirit, seeking peace and justice, letting love be. Be blessed by that spirit in your life and be a blessing to others throughout your family and community.